3: Good morning, it is 8.30 on Monday, June 26 I'm Michael Gidry in for Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPV Think Radio. Experts are looking at how Mississippi can improve reproductive health. Then, state revenues have exceeded expectations this fiscal year, with a surplus of $650 million. Plus, a Mississippi teen won a gold medal during this year's international ballet competition in Jackson. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi has the highest maternal and infant mortality rate in the nation. And a new report from the Commonwealth Fund identified the state as having the most preterm births in 2021. So I'll produce these rates. Doctors are training first responders on how to safely deliver a baby. Doctors Jasmine T. Kinsey and Rachel Morris are physicians at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. They speak with our Will Stribling about the Stork program and what it takes to train first responders for labor and delivery.
2: There are many resources that are out there for our patients, and um, and so I just encourage them to uh, try to reach out for help. And there are many programs that are in place throughout the state that I think people aren't aware of. This is something that we um, definitely are working on. One thing we didn't get a chance to talk about on the show is our stork program, um, that Dr. Morris has been really big in, in, in bringing awareness to the maternal um Mortality and things of that nature, and educating our providers, not just OBGYNs, all
4: of the providers that are seeing our pregnant patients um, throughout the state. Yeah, tell me about the, the STORC program. So, uh STORC program was developed uh, about two years ago. It's funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. It is a program. That provides education to the emergency care providers, Um, again, nursing staff, uh, respiratory ticks, uh, anyone without a um, true obstetric residency or training. So again, it's also been applied to uh, our firefighters and our uh, EMS paramedics. Again, it's actually pretty wildly accepted. Um, At this point, we've trained over 400 providers. We've gone to over 35 sites. Again, the goal is to increase awareness and education to rural access centers that are forced to deal with obstetric emergencies, whether it's a delivery, uh, a hypertensive patient, a hemorrhage. Again, you know, it's by law, again, any rural access center that does not have obstetrics still has to evaluate, manage, stabilize and you know and ultimately transfer a patient so giving them that knowledge and awareness of identifying some of these risk factors again how to accomplish a delivery safely because it's happening all over the state. Again, as we are unfortunately dealing with more and more hospital closures, again, this problem, again, of patients not having adequate access to care or having to drive long distances. Unfortunately, lots of facilities are dealing with this. So this is what Stork actually does is bridging that gap, trying to train, again, anyone and everyone to what is an obstetric emergency and how do you treat some of the most common things that we deal with and to try and decrease that morbidity and mortality across the state. Again, it's not just about it's healthy mothers equals healthy babies. So if we can identify how to treat the mother, identify risk factors, again, identify you know potentially life-threatening conditions, you can you can certainly change the trajectory for delivery and for a newborn course. Certainly again, one of the things that we treat also and, and teach and educate about is preterm preterm labor. We do have the highest one of the highest preterm birth rates in the country and certainly has to do with a lot of complex features. Again, maternal health conditions, again disparities in health care, access to care. Uh, we have a huge problem with patients that are unfortunately not receiving care early in the first trimester. So late prenatal care is a contributing factor. So all these things again are certainly, you know, statewide. There's a lot of growth and change that needs to occur uh, to to help address each of these barriers but stork is something that we've been doing we we got refunded for another year uh, at this point we are booked out six months with the training that we're doing and looking forward to continuing um, we also provide emergency supplies it's called a stork bag uh, so it facilitates these deliveries or again emergencies in a rural access center um, that they would have the supplies again provided for them in a bag. You know, when you have an obstetric emergency, it's chaos. If you're, you know, if you're overwhelmed and under-equipped with whether it's, you know, professionals that know what to do. um, And certainly, you know, when you don't do things regularly, it unfortunately only increases the the complexity and the um, level of the emergency. So good news is emergencies only happen sort of rarely, but unfortunately they're happening more commonly now. And these locations are finding themselves in quite a predicament.
5: Yeah, and that's, and, and Stork. do you think that's, uh, you know, a program that could be or should be, uh, like, scaled up, you know, and, and done in other parts of the state? Because that, you know, over half our counties are maternity care deserts, so this is really, you know, a training that needs to be, you know, so,
4: a, a widely available. So Stork is something that started out of the, matern- the Mississippi Center for Emergency Services, so MCES here at UMC. Um, and we actually go uh, state, state statewide. Um, so actually, you know, we've been um, all the way north Mississippi. We've been to Biloxi. So we are we are traveling. So the nice thing about Stork, it's it's high fidelity simulation and education, and it's free. And we provide CME, and we are actually traveling all across the state. So this is not something that is just provided in Jackson. It's actually statewide. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
3: Dr. Rachel Morris is an associate professor in maternal fetal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Coming up, the state economist shares his thoughts on Mississippi's $650 million revenue surplus. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The MPB Public Media app just
1: got an update. It's now easier than ever to interact with your favorite MPB local shows and experts. With the brand new Talk To Us feature, you can engage with your favorite MPB local shows anytime, day or night, directly through the app. Simply select Talk To Us from the MPB Public Media app's menu. There, you can leave a question, share show ideas, or simply just say hello. With the new Talk To Us feature, you have access to your favorite MPB local shows and experts anytime you want to talk. Start your work week with a morning of locally produced programs on MPB Think Radio. At 9, it's Deep South Dining featuring conversations about Southern cuisine. Hear interviews with interesting Mississippians on Now You're Talking at 10. And at 11, there's information on leading a healthy life on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michael Guidry. Mississippi economists and lawmakers predicted the state would bring in roughly $6.9 billion in revenue, but the state has reportedly brought in more than $650 million, more than that with another increase expected at the end of this month. Lawmakers were aware of the possibility of a surplus as early as March, but declined to adjust state budgets during the legislative session. Our Desiree Frazier speaks with state economist Corey Miller about the surplus.
1: Through May, general fund for 2023 is up uh, 10.4%, about $653 million over the estimate.
2: What does that mean in layman's terms for Mississippians? Anything?
1: Well, it means that we've continued to see uh, strong revenue collections. A lot of that has to do with, you know, strong consumer spending. Corporate gun tax collections have continued to be strong. So, I mean, we're we're seeing continued strength in the economy despite uh, a lot of headwinds.
2: That bodes well for the average Mississippian? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I would say so. We haven't uh, seen a, a sl- uh, much of a slowdown. We have seen some slowdown since, since, the, since say, around January, but despite uh, a lot of headwinds such as inflation um, and higher interest rates, because of that, we, we still have – the, the consumer has continued to spend money, um, That hit, and we've con- continued to see a very strong uh, labor market.
2: In terms of when you say a strong labor market, there's still a lot of jobs out there?
1: Yes, uh, we still are see uh, more more demand for, for jobs than there are um, available workers.
2: How does this measure up with past years in terms of maybe last year, the last couple of years, the state tax revenue? Since
1: uh, 2020, fiscal year's, 2021 and fiscal year 2022, uh, we saw very strong uh, revenue collections. A lot of that was driven by uh, the amount of assistance that came through um, because of COVID, including the CARES Act. Uh, We also saw just a rebound in the economy um, after the recession in 2020, uh, a lot of pent-up demand. We're still seeing the effects of that in in the current uh, fiscal year in 2023, even though we've had uh, an income tax cut that went into effect uh, in January of this year, uh, we, we still have seen relatively strong con- consumer spending. Um, and I think in, in part of that, it, we're still seeing some of the effects of, of all that uh, assistance that came through.
2: The income tax that you mentioned, that's being phased in. What went into effect in January?
1: In January, the 4% uh, income tax bracket was phased out, which is a 4% tax on taxable income between five dollars and $10,000. There was a 4% tax rate on taxable income between five dollars and $10,000. That went away uh, as of January 1st.
2: So people get a little bit more money in their checks. Correct. And as this phases in, what is the ultimate outcome? What's the goal with this income tax cut?
1: Well, eventually um, we'll see a – once the income tax cut that was passed last year is completely phased in, we'll see a top income tax rate and a single income tax rate of of 4% on taxable income uh, of $10,000 and above. So Mississippi will have basically a flat uh, income tax rate once that is – a 4% once that is completely implemented.
2: Do you think that will fuel spending because you attribute some of the revenue gains to COVID monies that came in, and we're still seeing the residuals of that? Mm-hmm. Do you see that income tax being phased out as making up for some of that?
1: We'll see a, a, a small increase um, in, in spending as a result of that, um, because it, but it, because it's being phased in over time. We're not going to see a uh, a lot at any particular year i don't think but yeah it will it will have some uh partial offsetting
2: the revenue estimate is what the state legislature goes by to do their funding so come january they're going to have more money to parcel out so to speak Mm -hmm. do you think and i don't know if you can answer this some of that money goes into the rainy day fund, right?
1: Right. I think it's a two a percent or something like that.
2: Yeah. Once that's done, do you have any idea what might be ahead for making use of these funds?
1: Yeah, I don't know what the intention. Of course, we'll have a new legislature, all new legislature next um, next January. I mean, I don't think it will be. That much different from from the past year, but there was talk last year about you know some rebates using that money that did not happen. Um, there's also talk about continuing to reduce or possibly phase out the the income tax altogether um, but yeah that that I don't know what their intentions are and
2: okay, what else can you share about state revenues that would be um, of importance?
1: In terms of, of revenue growth um, through May, our fiscal twenty twenty three total general fund revenue was up about three hundred sixteen million over uh, fiscal year twenty twenty two. That's about a four point eight percent increase. That that's actual revenue over actual revenue, not not the estimate.
2: And how should we look at that?
1: I think it just shows that we're we're con- continuing to see um, revenue growth. Some of that is is influenced by by inflation, but we're continuing to see relatively strong revenue growth.
2: And that's an interesting point you just made because Mm -hmm. inflation is up. So if, well, and they're predicting we're going to go into a recession, that has been said. If we go into a recession, how would this revenue increase affect the state or would it at all?
1: Well, if we were to go into a recession, we would probably see, you know, a, a decrease in in revenues. Uh, people would probably be spending less money. Uh, incomes would probably go down, and corporate profits would probably go down. So we'd probably see a, an incre- a decrease in revenue. I mean, it's it, hard to speculate how much because it would depend on um, the severity of, of the recession and and factors like that. Uh, our current forecast does not have a. We do not have currently have a recession in our forecast. We have a a bit slower growth than we have seen in the past year or so, but a couple of years. Um, but we're we're not currently forecasting a recession.
2: Thank you, Corey Miller, sure. Mississippi's state economist, for sharing your insights on this issue with us. All right, thank you.
3: Coming up, a Mississippi teen has won a medal in the international ballet competition in Jackson. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: Discover everything MPB
3: Think and MPB Music Radio have to offer with just the sound of your own voice. Ask for the one you want by name. For news, great storytelling, humor, games, and more, say Smart Speaker, play MPB Think Radio. For musical selections ranging from a dozen genres from classical to bluegrass, jazz to adult alternative, say Smart Speaker, play MPB Music Radio. Tuning in is easier than ever. Just ask for the one you want by name. Say Smart Speaker, play MPB Think Radio
1: Radio Reading Service of Mississippi provides print-impaired Mississippians with news, information, and entertainment. To learn more or to see if you qualify, call 601-432-6301. This is Mississippi
3: Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michael Guidry. A Mississippi native has won a gold medal in the junior male division in a world-renowned ballet competition. The International Ballet Competition concluded last week in Jackson after two weeks of judge performances. The event is held in Mississippi's capital city every four years and attracts top talent from around the world. Mona Nichols is the executive director of the USAIBC. She says it's always an honor to host the event in Jackson.
6: It is very good for our city because it puts us on the world map. And around the world, we're just known as Jackson, that everyone wants to dance Jackson. And that is because we're known around the world for our fairness, um, our Southern hospitality, and um, people want to come back. And it's been around since 1979, so generations have now um, passed and Lauren was one of our competitors in what 1990. In 1990, so now she has gone and had a, a wonderful career, and now she is on our international jury, and we're very proud of that. Um, but economically, it gives our city a huge boost. Uh, in 12.5 12 $12. million dollars is the was the economic impact in 2018 and we hoped that we will increase it. So it's very important for our city. Also, it just brings culture, and, you know, with the symphony performing and these beautiful dancers and um, visitors from around the world, um, we are very proud to host the International Ballet Competition for the USA.
3: The competition was slated to be held last year, but Nicholas says organizers chose to delay the event because of the coronavirus pandemic.
6: We felt that it was important that we um, delay for a year for the pandemic reasons, of course, but also if all four of us had the competition in the same year, we would force the dancers to have to choose. And so we wanted to just let them, you know, have theirs and we volunteered to delay for a year, which did turn out to be the right choice because we had 340 applicants to choose from, so we chose 120, so every person that was chosen and invited to come here is an excellent dancer. All of them were excellent, all 340. It was a very tough decision and our selection committee did a great job in choosing, so we're very pleased with every dancer that has competed here these two weeks.
3: Hattiesburg native Alexei Orohovsky was honored Friday night in Jackson at the USA IBC Awards ceremony. The 16-year-old earned a gold medal for the male junior division after competing in three rounds of judge performances over the course of two weeks. He speaks with our Lacey Alexander about the experience.
5: It was amazing. I was just like super excited and super happy to be selected for this and I'm really happy to have made it this far and I'm glad, you know, I danced the way I did, and I'm just really happy to perform.
0: I know last time we chatted, I asked you the difference between this and Helsinki. Now that you've actually gone through the competition, gone through the rounds, what are some more differences between this competition and the Helsinki competition that you're noticing?
5: Well, like with this competition, it, you spend a lot like more time. Like Helsinki, we did in like seven days or nine days, can I remember exactly. And this one lasted like, three weeks in total. Which was really, really nice to get a feel for the competition, to hang out with my competitors here. And it's another very big difference is that in Helsinki, you know, we all were staying in this like one hotel sponsored by the competition. But we were never hanging out really afterwards. We only just saw each other at theater. Um, Rather here, you know, we're all together in the dorms. We're hanging out. And it's really like just like intensive. Like we have like a bond between all of the competitors. And we've had so much fun these past three weeks. It's been amazing. So I think that's one of the main differences is just the camaraderie between competitors.
0: We don't know quite which medal yet, but you are now a two-time medalist. How does it feel accomplishing this in your home state?
5: Unreal. Um, I've been wanting to go to this competition since I was very, very little. And the fact that I not only went this year, but I also medaled is astonishing and is like a dream come true. I'm so incredibly thankful.
0: I was talking to Mona earlier this morning, and she said there's a picture of you on Facebook from 2018 saying, like, look out 2022. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's 2023 because of the pandemic. But what would you tell younger Alexei right now?
5: Um, keep working hard. Don't play too many video games. Um, <laughs> just enjoy yourself and, uh, really pursue what you're doing and to enjoy every second of it, because that's what ended up happening. And I loved it. It's been amazing.
0: After this competition, what's next for
5: you, Alexei? Um, I will be going back to Germany, um, to finish off my school year at the John Krinker school. um, and then after that, I will move into the next year at the John Crinkler School. I will go into the next level.
0: Congratulations on that. I know you're probably really excited to get back to Germany and get back to rehearsing. One last thing that I want to ask you. Last time we talked, you had this great comment. We had this great conversation about community, about how the community you've built is is one of your favorite parts, is what was the real prize to you. Do you still find that's true? Tell me about the community you've built while you've been in this competition since the last time we chatted.
5: Of course. Like, you know... Coming from Mississippi, this conversation means a lot to me, and I feel it's one of the few times, especially in the South, that ballet is really highlighted um, because, you know, America is still a very young country in comparison to Europe where ballet is more respected. And so I, although ballet is definitely growing in the U.S., um, it definitely has not reached, like, the level it is in Europe And so every four years when this competition comes to the U.S. and specifically the southern U.S., um, it really highlights, you know, what we're doing as an art form and a profession and it allows us to, you know, give a little peek into our lives and what we want to become. And so I think by doing that, we can build a community like that respects Valley and can understand it more. And not so much in between ourselves to, you know, like share our experiences between competitors and to really understand what's happening. So I completely believe that to be true now more than ever, especially after third round. So it's been really, really great.
0: Alexei, thank you so much. I know you're busy. I know you're rehearsing. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with us.
5: Oh, of course, no worries. Thank you so much.
3: This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.